Thank you, Lord. Thank you, choir. Turning your Bibles to Matthew chapter 25. Matthew chapter 25. Thank you, choir. There's a big difference in a choir prepared to entertain and a choir prepared to move spiritually. Thank you, choir, for allowing God to use you. Thank you for your prayer. Thank you for your dedication. Choir practices at 430. Throw that one in there while I got you all here. Choir practices at 430. We, um, I met with the band a few weeks ago. I met with the choir a few minutes ago. And although I had no intentions of this, I'm going to say it anyway. If God doesn't matter enough to you to give him your best, then it doesn't matter enough to you, period. If God's not worth your best, don't waste your time giving him your second best because he don't want it. I'll just go ahead and tell you I told the band and told the choir. I learned this. I learned this at a church leadership training conference. When it comes to people on this platform... And this, I took this personally, obviously, because this is something to work on in me, but also everything else on this, on this platform. I learned that Benny Tate quoted somebody, I don't remember who quoted, he said, if it's Christian, it ought to be better. If it's Christian, it ought to be better. That's what he said. And he said, even when it comes to volunteers, it's okay to require a standard of excellence. Because if God ain't worth excellence to you, matter of fact, what I told them is what I took from that meeting. If God ain't worth your best, you can give him your second best out there. But don't bring it up here. But the same thing's true with you and I. If God ain't worth our best, he ain't worth enough. God has given us Everything. He gave his only begotten son. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He has given us gifts. He's given us talents. He's given us time. He's given us opportunity. He's given us the ability. And he's given us everything to serve him. And if serving him isn't important, we need to restructure some things. But what I also learned in that is it's okay to require a standard of excellence out of a congregation. Let me reiterate. The standard of excellence has to start here. And I'm a long ways from that. But the standard of excellence has to be real in every one of us. We've got to realize where we are and who we are sinners saved by an amazing God. Washed by priceless blood. Forgiven by a graceful God. With a place prepared for all of eternity in a little short time to give him glory. A little short window. Life is but a vapor. And, and I've wasted more than half of it. I wasted more than half of it before I even started serving him. I spent 20 years sitting on a pew doing nothing. After his blood washed away all my sins, there's no time left to waste. 
It won't be long. We're going to stand before him. And whatever we've done for him, that's what's going to be brought up. If we hadn't done nothing, there ain't going to be much to be judged, is there? And if there's nothing to be judged, then there's no rewards to be earned. Matthew chapter 25, I want to pick up really where we left off last week. Last week, we looked at an unlikely hero. We looked at a small boy that had five little unsalted crackers and a couple of little unflavored sardines. And, and even though here in the text that we looked at, his name's not even given, but his deeds recorded for all of eternity. This little boy had nothing that, that you couldn't carry in a shirt pocket, and, and, it, and it adds up to nothing when, when you look at the situation that was present. And, and he seems so unimportant there in the story that like the women we looked at in the weeks before, that the Bible doesn't even give us his name, yet his, his, what he did is recorded for all of eternity because what he did was took what little bit he had and he gave all that he had. Now, we ended up last week, we, we looked in the closing at, at verse number 12 there that said where Jesus said, gather up the fragments that remain, that nothing be lost. And we looked at this thought as we were closing on why would God take up the fragments? Why, why would it matter? Everybody has been filled. It says that clearly. Why would, why would there be an importance? And here's the thought we looked at. Here's what I felt like God showed me on that last week studying. God hates waste. God hates waste. We, we looked at the question, am I willing to give what I have. Doesn't matter what I have. Am I willing to give my best? It doesn't matter if I'm not the best. That doesn't make any difference in God's economy. This isn't, this isn't football national championships. This isn't baseball world series. This isn't golf tournaments. It doesn't matter who is the best. God could care less about who is the best. What God cares about is do I have your best? He doesn't care if you're at the bottom of the pole. All he wants to know is, are we willing to give him our absolute best? And that's the question that we looked at last week. Now, I made a reference to a text here in Matthew chapter 25. So I want to read for a minute here, beginning in verse number 14, the story that I made reference to in closing last Sunday morning. For the kingdom of heaven is as a man traveling into a far country who called his own servants and delivered unto them his goods. Unto one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, to every man according to his several ability, straightway took his journey. He that received five talents went and traded with the same and made them other five talents. Likewise, he that had received two also gained other two. He that had received one went and digged in the earth and laid his Lord's money, hid his Lord's money. After a long time, the Lord of those servants cometh and reckoned with them and so he that had received five talents came and brought other five talents, saying, Lord, thou deliverest unto me five talents. Behold, I have gained beside them five talents. The Lord said unto him, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. He also that received two talents came and said, Lord, thou deliverest unto me two talents. Behold, I have gained two other talents beside them. As Lord said unto him, Well done, good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. He which had received one talent came and said, Lord, 
I knew thee that thou art an hard man, reaping where thou hast not sown and gathering where thou hast not strawed. I was afraid and went and hid thy talent in the earth. Lo, there thou hast that is thine. His Lord said unto him, Thou wicked and slothful servant. That means lazy. You lazy servant. Thou knewest that I reap where I sowest not and gather where I have not strawed. Thou oughtest therefore to put my money to the exchangers, and then at my coming I should have received mine own with usury. He says, you ought to at least took it and put it in the bank. You ought to at least put it in a place where I'd gain interest, not just hit it in the ground. You ought to put it somewhere to work. You knew, you know I'd be coming back for, but I want you to look. Look what he did in verse number 28. Take therefore the talent from him and give it unto him which hath ten talents. While we're reading, turn over with me, if you would, to the book of Luke chapter 19. I want to read one more passage. It's a similar passage, but here's the main difference. The passage that we just looked at, to one he gave five talents, to another he gave two, to another he gave one. So he gave different talents, different levels to them. But here in this story, we have ten servants and we have ten talents. Everybody got one apiece. In verse number 12 of Luke chapter 19, a certain nobleman went into a far country for to receive himself a kingdom and to return. He called his servants and delivered them ten pounds and said unto them, Occupy till I come. But his citizens hated him and sent a message after him, saying, We will not have this man to reign over us. This is a great passage to preach from. This is a great message, a great example of Christ coming and going and being rejected and coming back. But right now, we're just looking at these pounds that he gave. It came to pass that when he was returned, having received the kingdom, he commanded those servants to be called upon him, to whom he had given the money, that he might know how much every man had gained by trading. The first came, saying, Lord, thy pound hath gained ten pounds. He said unto him, Well, thou good servant, because thou hast been faithful in very little, thou have authority over ten cities. The second came, saying, Lord, thy pound hath gained five pounds. And he said, Likewise to him be also thou over five cities. And another came, saying, Lord, behold, here is thy pound, which I have kept laid up in a napkin. For I fear thee, because thou art an austere man. Thou takest up that thou layest not down, and reapest that thou didst not sow. He saith unto him, Out of thine own mouth I will judge thee, thou wicked servant. Thou knewest that I was an austere man, taking up what I laid not down, and reaping what I did not sow. Wherefore, then gavest not thou my money into the bank, that at my coming I might have required mine own with usury. Again, that is interest. I would have at least made interest. He said unto them that stood by, Take from him the pound, and give it to him that hath ten pounds. They said unto him, Lord, he hath ten pounds. He said, For I say unto you that unto every one which hath shall be given, and from him that hath not, even that shall hath they be taken away from him. And those mine enemies which would not that I should reign over them, bring them hither and slay them before me. I, I want to look this morning on the gifts of God. I want to look this morning at the talents that God has given to us. I want to look at, at the things that God has given you and I to use as children of God as servants of God's with the thought in mind, God hates waste. God, thank you so much. Thank you so much for your presence in this place, God. Thank you, Father, for, Lord, for just breaking through. Lord, I pray you'd ban Satan and all of his demons away from this place. God, I pray for anything that'd be whispered in anybody's ear, any distraction, anything that would hinder anybody from hearing from your Holy Spirit. God, I pray you run it out of this place. God, I pray that there be nothing in here that would hinder what you're about to do among your people, God. I pray for a special blessing upon everybody here. 
Lord, I pray you do what only you can do and meet each and every one in the place where they are. I pray you'd speak to each one of us individually in our hearts. God, I pray you put conviction where conviction is necessary. Praise to those whom praise is necessary, God. You're the ones that gives rewards. You're the ones that gives trials. You are the good Father. You're the one who knows all things, God. We trust everything to you right now. God, if there be anything that would hinder you from making me a usable vessel now, God, I pray that you'd remove it all, that you might anoint my lips, that you might speak to your people, God. Speak to me first, that you might speak through me, God that you might move in this place among your people. We love you, God. We thank you. We praise you. You've been good to us, God. Lord, we just want to serve you. That is our heart's desire. Help us now in these next few minutes to be a better servant. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. When Paul wrote his letters to young Timothy, he had this young protege preacher, and he told him in the first letter, neglect not... The gift that is in thee. Neglect not the gift that is in thee. When he wrote the second letter, he said, Stir up the gift that is in thee. The first letter, don't neglect it. Second letter, stir it up. That means there is a gift within us that God expects us to be used. I want to look this morning at spiritual gifts and how can we use them because everybody in this place has gifts. The gifts that every one of us has are for a purpose, and that purpose is to help somebody else. Understand, our gift is not for us. Our gift is to be used by God to help somebody else. And God has given everybody in here gifts that he might use us. Some people have the gift of discernment. Some people, it would be called understanding. There are some people, they just have the ability, seems like, to read God's Word and put things together. It's like the Holy Spirit just teaches them at a different level, and they're able to take words and make sense of things. I study behind those kind of people like A.W. Tozier, um, O.S. Hawkins, John Phillips, Harold Wilmington, those guys seem to have an incredible ability to understand God's Word and to take that understanding and to put it into writing and put it down in a way that, that people like ourselves, or at least men like myself, can come along behind and, and read what they put, and God can begin to take that and to build upon that and, and to build it up. But many of you have the same gift. You have the ability to understand. Some of you exercise it. Some of you don't. But, but that's not a private gift. Many of you have the same kind of gift of understanding. Some people have a gift of understanding, but they also have the ability to, to speak. I talked last week about I like to listen to a lot of the, the older preachers, um, Charles Spurgeon, A.W. Criswell, but, but you had guys like Adrian Rogers. Adrian Rogers got incredible wisdom for me personally. I like reading this stuff better than listening to his stuff just because he has a couple of habits that, that quirk me a little bit. I'm not going to mention them to you because you don't know what they are, and then they would bother you, so I'm not going to say it. But he is an incredible speaker, I'll tell you that. He, he's able to speak and to move people, but it's because God has given him a gift to understand, and God has given him a, a gift to speak. Billy Graham was an incredible orator. Charles Stanley, a lot of people love listening to Charles Stanley. He is a great orator. He's able to speak to people, but, but then there, there are people who are gifted with, with speaking not necessarily public, but God has given them gifts. And God has given many of you the same gifts. When it comes to the gift of understanding, there are, there are some of you that I've talked with, you have it. 
You have it. You ask me questions that I have to go home and study to even know where you started. I know you had to have been studying deep, but you have to have an understanding. Shallow questions are easy to answer, but when somebody brings something up from the depth of a word study, they have an understanding, and so they've got down into somewhere. I'm just telling you, there are people here who have these kind of gifts. People who have those kind of gifts need to be teaching. Many of you are. Some of you are. You're teachers in this church. But, but you need to be using what God has given you to help others understand the word. Some of you have the gift of writing. And I'm not talking about writing like A.W. Tozer. I'm not talking about writing books. I'm talking about writing. Some of you have the ability to, to write letters, to write things to motivate people, to inspire people. Some of you just do cards. You, you write little cards and you write, you know, hey, get well soon cards and sorry you're sick and you, you do little things there's some of you and that's kind of like your personal ministry you send things out to help people uh, matter of fact I, I don't want to just point out some things that you have I, I want to help you use them um where's Brandon stand up Brandon let, let me give you an example so so Brandon has been our um director of our missions stand up again y'all know who Brandon is I should know who Brandon is. So Brandon's right there. I'm going to tell you this because at the church, you're going to be down here because some people's going to come see you. So yeah, that's who y'all are looking for after I tell you this. He, you think you can be seated. So he is now our director of missions, has been for a few months. I'm telling you this because when we did the, the things the last time about gifts and the sign-up for things, a few of you signed up because I asked people to write letters to our missionaries. More specifically, I asked people, hey, would you be willing to write letters to our missionaries' wives? Y'all remember because I talked about a missionary that stood here that time, and the missionary was coming and bringing a report, and he said, you want to keep your missionaries in the field longer? Take care of their wives. They gave up everything they had, too. They left their families, too. They're over there, too. You can't just pray for them and help them and, and take care of the missionary. Take care of their wives. And, and so... He talked about sending letters, and we had a team, and that kind of came apart. And some of you signed up for this to be on that team. And my apologies that I never got back with you and got on it. But the reason why, we were kind of in a change of things in the missions board. And so I really didn't have it settled right then where we could do those things. But now, Brandon has done a phenomenal job with the missions board. We're staying in touch with our missionaries. As a matter of fact, every missionary that has stood on this platform and brought their work, he brought them. He's got one scheduled in May, coming home on deputation. He's going to come from overseas and bring his work here. He put the revival together. I never heard Brother Guy Roberts in my life. As somebody knew from being a fourth-generation preacher, somebody's dad knew him, Brother Guy Roberts was a blessing. Anybody say amen? So, so, so God's using him a lot here to do a lot of things, not just working with our children, but to put that together. So I'm saying that because I want him down here after. If you have the ability to write, if you're out there at live stream, listen, get in touch with Brandon Haskett, call church office, can't get no other way, and be a part of this. I want you writing letters to our missionaries. I want you writing letters to our missionaries' wives, ladies. Just a little something of encouragement. Some of our missionaries, reason it has to go through him, some of our missionaries we can't write to. We'd endanger their lives. Some of our missionaries we can't email. We can't put their names out on public stuff because they're in that kind of places. So there's some we can't write to, but some we can and he's going to get you some names. I want you to get with Brandon and sign up. If you have a gift, to it doesn't do me any good to point out that you have gifts and not give you a way to use them, right? So if you have just a few minutes that you can mail letters, I want you to get with, with Brandon. But some people have, have other, other gifts. Everybody has something different. Everybody has a gift of influence. Mm -mm. <clears throat> if nothing else, parents, we influence our children. 
can, can, I, can I just say it about the best way I know? What matters most is not what your children hear from you, but what your children see in you. You can talk till you're blue in the face, but they're going to act like you act. You can tell them church is important. God, I'm fixing to kill the spirit on a Sunday morning. You can tell them church is important, but then not come, and it ain't going to be important. Now I'm really going to call some to walk out. You can tell them church is important, and you can show them how important it is by dropping them off at that gym on a Wednesday night, driving right out of this parking lot and going to Walmart, and letting them know it's important when you're little like you. But when you're big like me, it really ain't all that important. It's a great babysitter. It's a great little free few minutes where I can have a one hour. It's a time that your dad and I can go grab a bite to eat while y'all are at church and they're taking care of you. I'm just telling you, you teach your children what you want with your mouth, but your words is what they're going to remember. And if church ain't important to you, it ain't going to be important to them. And if you're dropping them off now and then leaving, don't be upset when they get 18 and say, see you, church, don't matter. I'm 18 now, Mom and Dad. Remember how you dropped me off? I'm just telling you, everybody has the ability to influence the people around them. We influence people at work. We're influenced by people, but we influence people. If you're, if you're a Christian business owner, require a standard of excellence on your job site. If you own a store and you have employees, if you're a construction worker and you have a job site, don't let people use foul language on your job site. Well, they're just employees. I don't have a right to run their life. Don't run their life. Run your job site. Be a Christian. Require them to work. If they don't work, fire them. Send their lazy backside home. Require a standard of excellence. I promise you this. If you don't require excellence, you won't get excellence. If you allow any kind of garbage to take place on your job site, then garbage is what you'll have. But garbage is also the product you'll put out. If you are a Christian employee, you ought to be the best employee your boss has got. You ought to be on time every time. If you ought not, you ought not stop. If you work till 5 o'clock, you ought not stop working till 5 o'clock. Not be in your car at 5 o'clock. You ought not stop working until everything is finished up at 5 If it takes a few minutes extra, you ought to be an example. You ought to set a standard. Your employer, if you claim to be a Christian, remember what we just said, Christian ought to be better. If you claim to be a child of God, if you claim to go to Faith Baptist Church, by all means, glory to God, we get enough rocks thrown as it is. Set a standard. Set something different. Let your employer look and say, man, let, look how, let them see how you treat people. Let them see your work ethics. Let them see the, the way you manage time. Let them be the kind of person to look at you and say, man, if I just had 10 of you, I could fire the other 1,000. I'm just telling you, everybody has an influence. We ought to influence everybody in a positive way. A lot of people... Some people think, well, I, I just worked there because I was just going to get a job 25 years ago, and I'm, I'm still there today. No. No, God put you there 25 years ago, and God hasn't changed that today. 
Well, I just got a job last week. It's just at a fast food restaurant, and I'm just, I'm just going to work there for a little while. Like, no, no. It doesn't matter if God put you there for a month, for five years. If you have a job, God put you there. And you have a parameter of influence where you are. Use it for the glory of God. You think you just decided to live where you live? I always thought that. I always just thought we bought the farm in 86, paid it off in 96, might as well build a house, right? You live in the community that you live in because that's where God has you. And God has given you a sphere of influence around you. If people see you get up and leave early on Sunday morning and go to church, don't let them see you come in drunk on Friday night. I'm just telling you, if you're going to have an influence, have an influence. We're going to influence everyone around us as a Christian, good or bad. We're either going to draw people as a Christian. If we claim to be a child of God and they see our lifestyle, one or two things is going to happen. We're either going to point people towards God or we're going to drive people away from God. If they see you claim one thing and live something else, they could care less about having what we have. Most of us have the gift of experience. Anybody say amen? Anybody know that experience is a great teacher? I learned a lot of things that mom and dad had taught me. Not many. Most of them I had to go in and learn it the hard way. They warned me. How about that? God, they warned me, and then I went ahead and learned it the hard way anyway. You know, I learned some things in books, from school, those kind of things. But the things that you never forget is the things you learn by experience. And we have experiences that we might use those to help others. Anybody in here ever been sick? Bad sinus infection. Anybody ever about bad sinus infection? It's coming, man. Spring's coming. Let's just all have a prayer meeting right now. Lord, don't let us get sinus infections. We hate those things, God. They're awful. If I had your protection around everybody, just raise their hand, God. And everybody that didn't, well, protect them too. <laughs> Bladder infection. Flu, I don't know, whatever, but, but you're sick. I mean, sick. Y'all know how it is when you're sick. You don't feel good, coughing your head off, head all stopped up, don't hear nothing. And, and somebody, anybody ever recommended a medicine to you? Maybe it was a doctor or a nurse, maybe it's a friend, but they re recommended something, and you took it, and, man, it was like sent from God. I mean, it must have had manna in it. Like, all of a sudden, for a few minutes, you had to blow your nose, but glory to God, all that nasty junk come out and your head opened up and, and your vision cleared up and, man, you felt like you were going to live for the first time. And, man, I mean, it helped you. You know what I'm talking about? Now, a month later, if you run across somebody that has a bad sinus infection, the head's all stopped up, it's killing them, and they just feel terrible, what are you going to do? You're going to tell them about the medicine. It's called experience. We experienced something, and then we got some help, and it helped. So we share our experience with somebody suffering from what we suffered from so that we might help them. How many people in here would say, I've never experienced anything better than Jesus? I've never got help like I got from Jesus. Oh, I've been through some storms. I've been through some trials. I feel like I've walked across the doorsteps of hell as a Christian, but God never let go of my hand. Jesus was there every step of the way. There are people around us who are hurting. There are people around us who are hopeless, people around us who are helpless, people around us who need something, and we have the greatest gift ever known to man. Listen, 
if they have a sinus infection, and I say, look, man, this is what I had. I had a sinus infection six weeks ago. I felt like you. I thought I was fixing to go home and see Jesus, man. I done started giving up on life. I felt terrible. And I took this, whoo, opened up my head, man. I made me feel better. Whether or not they take that medicine is not up to me. Here's what helped me. I'm offering it to you. You stay sick if you want to. The same thing is true with Jesus Christ. Our job is to tell him what got me out, what washed me up, what, what walked through the fire with me, what calmed my storm for me, what held me by my hand, walked me through my valley, washed away all my sins, gave me a new home, a new life. Our job is to tell him about Jesus. Everybody has a gift of influence. Who do you know that need a positive influence on a daily basis? People in our schools, people around us, people that we work with. We know people all the time. They just need a positive influence. Add this to your prayer list every morning. It'd be a great one to add to your prayer list. God, help me today. Use me to be an influence to somebody that needs help. That's not asking God to get you out of anything. That's not asking God to do anything special. Use me today, God, to be a positive influence to somebody that needs help. You already have the gift of influence. Everybody has it. All we're doing is asking God to, to use it for his glory. Some people have the gift of prayer. I'm talking about praying with power. I mean, everybody can pray, but some people... They just, when they pray, man, it's just like heaven stands still. You know what I'm talking about? You know what I'm talking about? Anybody ever pray, when they pray, it just moves you? The reason it moves you is because it moved heaven. And they didn't get that from God is great, God is good. They didn't get that from now lay me down to sleep. They didn't get that from a drive to work. God, protect my children, protect my family today. Help me to have a good day at work and get us home safe tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. They didn't get it from that. They got it from calluses on the knee. They know how to get in touch with God because they've done it often. They know how to knock on the door of heaven and get it to open because they've knocked on it often. They've spent a lot of time in prayer. There are people who are able to move move heaven with their prayer, but they do not have what every child of God does not have. Boldly enter into the throne room of grace that you might obtain mercy. If you're not a Christian, you do not have this right. If you're not a Christian, you've never been saved, you can pray for the rest of the day and everybody in here, you, in here can enjoy it, but it ain't getting past this ceiling. If you've never been saved, God's listening for one word out of your mouth. Father, I am a sinner. I'm asking you to come into my heart, forgive me of my sins, and save my soul. I want to give you my life. I want Jesus Christ to be Lord of my life. I want God to be Father. I want the Holy Spirit in me. You pray for God to save you. That's all God's listening for. But when you become a child of God, you have an unlimited Access. Verizon and all their plans ain't got nothing on what you got. There ain't no phone company got nothing unlimited on what you got. You can walk into the throne room of grace, throne room of healing, throne room of power, throne room of strength, 
throne room of love. You can walk into the creator of the universe anytime you want to and say, here I am, Lord. You can spend 24-7, 365 in the presence of Almighty if you're willing to stay on your knees before God. Everybody has the ability to pray. We don't have power because we don't practice what we have. Somebody tell me, the best athletes in the world, every one of them, what do they have in common? They practice every day. They are the most talented, gifted athletes on the planet. Jokers in football, 375 pounds, 6'7", can stand flat-footed and jump two feet on a four-foot table. Are you kidding me? I couldn't do that with a stepladder. They have amazing abilities and agilities. They are the most gifted athletes on the planet, but they practice every single day. You know why? They want to be better. They want to be their very best. You know why we're not that kind of prayer warrior? Because we don't put in that kind of effort. If we had the kind of prayer life that they do train in life, we could move the gates of hell in the name of Jesus Christ. We could change things because the Word of God says we can. Matter of fact, let me just give you a little chance to help out on that one. Greg Brand, stand up, brother. Let me just give you a free pass. Greg, you're going to be right down here after church too. We have a program called Prayer Warriors. Some of you know it, some of you don't. And if they ain't there right now, you and I need to have a talk after church. There are people praying in that room and or that room right now. I am not stupid enough, and I sure ain't good enough to stand on this podium without somebody praying for me. I don't have anything to help you. All I have is God. I am absolutely nothing in and of myself, less than that and know it. So there are people right now praying for me that God would help me and anoint me to deliver his word. They're praying for you, that God will meet you where you are, meet you in your storm, praise him in, in your victory. They're praying that God would move in this place at the invitation. They will be praying that if it's anybody in here, if there's anybody out there that is lost, God, will you move now? Will your Holy Spirit draw them that souls might be saved? There are people praying. They're called prayer room warriors. I was a prayer room warrior for years before I ever became really much of anything else in this church, doing anything else. Um, David Hickox and I was prayer room warrior partners. We, we've spent several Sundays together praying in here. All you have to do, you enjoy all the music, all the praise, but when the teenagers, when the youth gets up and heads out, is you just kind of mingle into that crowd and you mix into one of these two rooms and you pray while I'm preaching. You pray while the service is going on. And at the invitation, you pray for the lost, and at the end, you can come back out here and sit down and enjoy the rest of the clothes. If you had 20 people doing it, you'd only be back there once every 10 weeks because there's two. The only thing we don't have is an unmarried man and woman together. It doesn't matter if it's two men, two women, a married couple, however you want to sign up. If it's a man and a woman that's not married, you're in opposite rooms. That, that's the only thing we ask is two. But how, how many? Oh, no, I'm not going to ask you. I'm, I'm, I don't want you to raise your hand. Uh, this is just a question for you in your mind. How many of you in here can pray? You don't have to raise your hand. It's just a question. How many of you can pray? How many of you have the ability to pray? How many of you, like myself, know you need all the practice you can get? I want you down here at church. 
All you got to do is give them your name and phone number, and you go home. This ain't no 15-minute stay after church. All you got to do is come see Greg Brand. If you can write letters, come see Brandon. If you can pray, come see him. And then he'll put a schedule together. he put it out. And on that Sunday, you go in there and pray. How hard is that? I'm just telling you, everybody has the ability to pray. But some people have the ability to pray effectively. Some people have the ability to pray, and it makes a difference. They did not get that for free. Every child of God has a right to pray. Amen? There's never been a time when anybody prayed too much. There's never been a church that prayed too much. There's never been a church that emphasized prayer too much. By the way, 15 men Tuesday night at the men's prayer meeting. Thank y'all. I just want to tell you, you're an encouragement to me. It's been a minute since 15 men showed up. No groceries on the table. No strings attached. Showed up and prayed. We prayed a little different format. We all prayed together, three led in prayer. But 15 men was an encouragement to me. Matter of fact, the number 15 in the Word of God represents rest. Maybe that's why I slept so good Tuesday night. But I just, I, sorry, just a time out. But thank you, men, for being there. So Charles Spurgeon says, it's so sad for churches who have given up on their prayer meetings. Y'all ready? You'll be able to judge the presence of God by their prayer meetings as accurately as you can judge the temperature with a thermometer. Same thing is true in our personal lives. The church is just us as people. We are the church. So, so if the temperature is cold in the church, it's because the temperature is cold in the people of the church. We can't blame things on the church that we brought ourselves in. Well, that's not being very popular. I better move on to another point. Spurgeon continuing. It's one of the truest signs that God is with his people when they pray. And it's one of the darkest signs that he has departed when prayer is lacking. Yeah, thank you. Leave, leave that up there just a minute. It is one of the truest signs that God is with his people when they pray. Well, we understand where the power is at from that, don't we? We understand why prayer moves heaven. It is one of the darkest signs that he has departed when prayer is lacking. Those who spend time frequently on their knees have an open door of communication with God for a reason. Some people have the ability to communicate well. I'm not talking about public speaking. I'm talking about just communicate. They're, they're good socializers. They're good at, they're good at talking to people, and, and that's, that's really a good gift. But as Christians, when we communicate with people, we need to communicate something worth saying. As Christians, when we talk, we need to talk about things that matter. Don't, don't waste time on words that tear people down. Use words that build people, build people up. If somebody wants to come to you and tear somebody down, turn that around. If somebody wants to come to you and, and, and be negative, listen, it, it's, it's about love, not hate. It, it's about encouragement, not, not discouragement. It, it, it's about <clears throat> try, trying to, to give mercy to people and not bring judgment on people. Talk, talk about things of God, not politics. 
that drive any Christian to drinking and cussing in less than five minutes. Talk, talk about things that matter. Martin Luther King said, darkness cannot drive out darkness. Only light can do that. Hate cannot drive out hate. Only love can do that. Booker T. Washington said, if you want to lift yourself up, man, you better listen. If you want to lift yourself up, then lift up someone else. If somebody wants to speak negatively, if somebody wants to come to you, that's called gossip. You frame it whatever you want. You call it whatever you want. You label it whatever you want. If somebody wants to talk negative, that's called gossip. Turn it around or walk off. Turn the conversation to the things of God or just leave the conversation alone. Kind of like Benny Tate. I told y'all he said, he quoted it from somebody, I don't remember who. He said, I'm not worried about what other people have to say about me. I'm just worried about why are they so comfortable saying it to you. Another quote, Martin Luther King, really good one. He says, in the end, we will not remember the words of our enemies, but the silence of our friends. If you're somebody's friend, act like it regardless who you're talking to. If you're the friend of Jesus, act like it regardless who you're talking to. Lift people up. Don't tear people down. Turn the conversation to good. Turn the conversation to things of God or walk off and let them stand there. It's not rude. There are a lot of things in your life that you have no control over. But who you have to listen to and what you have to listen to is not one of them. Well, that went over like a lead balloon. Turn the conversation towards godliness, towards love, towards kindness, towards peace, towards things of God, or leave the conversation alone. 2 Corinthians chapter 13, Paul said in verse number 5, examine yourselves. Paul told Timothy to stir up the gift of God which is in thee. Hard to stir up something if we don't know what it is, right? I'm going to do something. At, at the end, I want you to wait. Don't get your phones out now. Do this at home. I'll have Dale put up, or Miss Frieda, somebody's going to put up a link at the end of the service. It's just going to be a spiritual gifts test. How many people are taking a spiritual gifts test? Not many. Wow. Wow, I took one several years ago, and, and it came up. Administration and... Pastor or shepherding. That's what it said my two spiritual gifts were. And so that was several years ago. So I took one Friday and took one yesterday because I wanted to find a couple more for you guys to take. Some of them out there better than others. All you're going to do, you're going to answer about 100 questions. It's not a test. You can't fail. There are no wrong answers. This, this is just you. you. You read the question, and it'll, they'll give you a 1 to 4 or a 1 to 5, something like that. And you just go down and rate it. At the end, it'll give you a sheet you'll add up, and it'll list like four columns. Get, if you don't use the one Dale puts up, use one that gives like six or seven or eight gifts. Some of them got like 30 gifts. You don't need all that. There's too many points in there. Just get one hot. But, but take a spiritual gift test. It'll help you. Anybody ever taken a marriage matters test? You know what I'm talking about? The marriage matters, the book, you, you take it. We all have love languages. And, and it helps. It helped Robin and I. Because what I learned is, is that we're different people. Any husband and wife in here say, glory to God, amen, yes. 
we're different people. And here's what I learned. I was doing everything I could to show her how much I loved her, but I was speaking French and she spoke German. And she's doing everything she can to show me how much she loves me, but we ain't understanding each other. Y'all know what I'm talking about? And, and you can take that and it begins to help. Oh, if, if I want to make her happy, it's about her love language, not mine. I, I'm just, it's just illustration. Spiritual gifts tests are the same. It, it can help you see some of the gifts that you have. It lets you see what, what you're kind of geared toward and what God has. It'll just help you find a way to use them, okay? So I, I'll have them put that up at, at the end. Luke chapter 12, Jesus said in verse 48, Whomsoever much is given, of him shall much be, or shall be much required. You can't pretend like you don't have any gifts. God gave you the gifts. God will show you the gifts. God plans to use the gifts in you for him. So ignorance of the gifts is no excuse. There's too many ways that God will show it to us. So here's what I want to focus on this morning, and I'm just now getting to the message. Y'all ready? I don't have to be back till 3 o'clock for play practice. Choir, I don't have to be there at 4.30. There's no evening service. I'll be done as quick as I can, but I really need to make this point because I really did spend all that to get to, to just a little short conclusion right here. I want to focus on going forward. See, the past doesn't matter anymore. I said the past doesn't matter anymore. Too many times people spend too much time looking at where they've been, looking at, at poor choices, mistakes that they've made, setbacks in our lives. But life's not about where we've been. Life's about where we're going. How many of you in here would be, be, be willing to say, thank God I am not who I was. I am washed in the blood, saved by grace. Old things passed away. Behold, all things have become new. I am a new creature in Christ. I am a different person than I've ever been to the glory of God. Now, how many can say, and now I've fully arrived. I've got it all. There ain't nowhere else to go. I'm as good as I'm ever going to get. No, thank God. We're not what we were, but we ain't where we're going. There are things ahead of us that God is determined to use in us. What God has in store for you and I is in front of us, not behind us. Mistakes of the past did not destroy us. They taught us. God uses mistakes. He uses things to get us to where we are. Listen, Jesus told the woman, we do it right here in the Easter play, the Pharisees trying to make their point, bring up the woman adultery. They throw her down, and they, they make their accusations. And, and Jesus, Jesus told her when he looked around and all the Pharisees were gone, did anybody condemn me? She said, no, man, Lord. He said, neither do I condemn thee. But that's not the end of the statement, is it? Go and sin no more. I'm not worried about what you did. Grace just forgave it. Just don't do it again. I'm not worried about your past. I don't worry about your mistake. Grace just washed it away. It's all gone. Starting right now. Just don't do it again. So, so don't, don't be hindered up by the past. So many people spend so much time looking back on the mistakes of the past that they can't see the excitement of the future. God has things in store for you, amazing things that, that, that God's going to do through you. People spend 
so much time looking back on their trials that they can't see all the sunny days that God still has out in front. They spend so much time looking back at, at their flaws that they can't see the greatness that God has put in them. Study the Word of God. Study, study the men of God. Study Abraham. Study David. What you find is that when men were used greatly, it was after they failed miserably. Mistakes do not qualify us from being used by God. They simply teach us. People are so focused on what the enemy has done in their past. They don't realize the greatness of what God has planned for the future. Here, here's, here's a simple truth. I've said this a lot of times before. Everything that happened in our past was to prepare us for who we are today. It took every storm, it took every trial, it took every temptation along with every failure. It took every mistake along with every victory, every up and every down to get us to where we are today. But God's not finished with us, right? We're not what we were, but we're not what we're going to be. One of the biggest reasons that people won't attempt things even for the glory of God is fear of failure. Paul Hutchins uses this a lot when we're trying stuff because it happens often. Failure is an option. Failure is an option. I will say if you're doing something for God and the power of God, God cannot and will not fail. But I will say this. I would rather stand before the throne room of God in judgment for having failed something I tried than to have never tried anything. People fear that they're not good enough. People fear that they're not qualified. People fear that they're not smart enough. Well, all those are, are Certainly, perfect feelings, perfect feelings for God to use because God doesn't use the qualified. He qualifies the ones that he calls, and, and, and he calls them in to use. Every one of us is called to use the talents that we have. It may, if you think you're perfectly ready to serve God and you've got everything and you need to sign up and do something, then you're not ready to be used by God. If you think you can do what it is you want to do, don't try it. Because if you can do it, it's not of God. Whatever God calls, don't be surprised when, when it calls you out of your comfort zone. See, it's okay to lack confidence in self. It's just not okay to lack confidence in God. When you know that God's given you something to do. If God calls us to do it, it doesn't matter if you've got five little crackers and two little fish and there's a multitude to be fed. Take the five little crackers, the two little fish, lift them up toward heaven, give thanks to God, and do whatever God said do. And if God wants to feed the multitude, then God will feed the multitude. God, God has a plan already in place for your life and mine. If he told Jeremiah that before you was born in the mother's womb, I knew you, then, then he knew you and I. God has a place, and it is very likely that that place will call you outside of your comfort zone. And for that reason, many people will let fear keep them from doing what they know God's called them to do. Faith has to overcome fear. If you wait until you have no fear, you'll never try anything for God. I'm almost done. Y'all ready? God has given us everything that we need to do, what he's calling us to do. He's given us the talent. Y'all ain't going to like this one. And he's given us the time. Wait a week. Yeah, come follow me around one day and tell me how much time I got. That's your choice. God gave every one of us in here 
60 seconds in a minute, 60 minutes in an hour, 24 hours in a day, seven days in a week, 52 weeks in a year. We all got the same thing. Nobody got more, nobody got less. What we do with our time is what matters. God says, I gave you the talent, and I gave you the time. Will you use it for my glory? So he's already given us all that we need. What he wants is for us to use that gift for him. Fear is nothing but a feeling. Fear is a temporary feeling based on a, a temporary situation. It is a natural response to the unknown, but we can't allow fear to control our decisions. I'm, I'm, I'm done. I'm almost to the end, but note takers, I got one for you. Y'all ready? You're going to want to write this one down. Fear is a tool that the enemy uses to keep you from doing anything. Now you write that down, because I'm not through. That's just the first half of it. Fear is the tool that the enemy uses to keep you from doing anything. Because fear is what usually comes before change. And change is necessary for growth. You can't get any closer to God standing where you are. We can't grow any closer to God staying right here. The only way to get closer to God is to grow closer to God. And we can't grow closer by standing still. Fear is the tool that the enemy uses to keep you from doing anything because fear is what usually comes before change. And change is necessary for growth. Our desire for growth and success and a closeness with God has to be stronger than our fear of failure. Thomas Edison, great inventor, 1877, invented the phonograph. Um, first thing that was ever used, it could record a sound and play it back. And, and then he invented the microphone before there was a telephone, and, and that was important because without the microphone, there never could have been a telephone. So he invented some things. But in 1879, he invented the incandescent light bulb. And it was said, I know I've used it before, but it still fits right here, so I'm going to use it again. It was said that he failed 10,000 times trying to make a light bulb. And somebody asked him the question, how could you keep trying after failing 10,000 times? He said, I never failed once. I successfully eliminated 10,000 ways to make a light bulb. Theodore Roosevelt said, Far and away, the best prize that life has to offer is the chance to work hard at a work worth doing. God has given you and I as Christians a work to do and a talent to do it. He hasn't given us a spirit of fear, so that has to come from who? The enemy. It doesn't come from God. Thomas Fuller said, Man, this is such a profound statement to be so simple. All things are difficult before they become easy. Man, isn't that a deep, profound statement to be so incredibly simple? So incre All things are difficult before they become easy. God has given us the talent. God has given us the gifts. And God has given us the platform to use our gifts. I want Faith Baptist Church to be a standard of excellence for the glory of God. I want it to start with me, so I'm going to work on me. There are some things I'm not going to be able to help you with right here You're on your own. I got my own fish to fry right here in this camp. It's got to start right here. I need an excellent service for God. First and foremost, above anything else, to serve him that he might use me to serve you. That, that's my heart's desire, to be exactly what God wants me to be and to be excellent what God wants me to be. That takes a lot of time on the knees and a lot of prayer. I wonder if anybody in here wants to set a standard of excellence for the glory of God. 
I want the church to be a standard of excellence for the glory of God. But like we talked about before uh, about temperature, this church can't be a standard of excellence for the glory of God until we, the church, pursue a standard of excellence for the glory of God. Every one of us individually. And the more of us that pray fervently and often, the more of us that serve with all we have, the more everybody else around will benefit from and be lifted up to a higher level, to be lifted up to a, a higher standard. I want God to be able to, to look at us and say, well done, well done. I gave you guys a few things and you did well. Now I'm going to give you a lot of things. I'm going to ask you to stand if you would. Band, if you guys come on up. If you want to set a standard of excellence for the glory of God, I'm going to ask us to just use this altar this morning. You don't have to come to the altar. You can pray right where you are if you choose. That's just something about the altar. I like the altar. I like the rock altar. But the altar's open. These guys are going to sing. And, and I want us to pray this morning, God, use the gift in me that you gave me for you. I want to be used for your good. I want to be used for your glory. I want you to work in me. Anybody in here know that God gave you gifts? You know that God gave you talents. You have talents. You can put that spiritual gifts test up if you want. Or you can wait and do it at the end of the service. Um, it's just a link. To, yeah, you better take a picture of that with your phone. Um. Maybe we'll put that at the end of the service and leave it up for a minute so people can take a picture of it with their phone and get it. It's a spiritual gifts test, but there's other ones up there. You can go in and just put in spiritual gifts and, and find some in there. Some of them are going to ask you some different questions about different stuff. Some of them come from different denominations, but it doesn't matter. They're all going to lead you toward the same thing to find your spiritual gift. But you can start by praying, God, help me know what my spiritual gift is. Help me to know what you want me to do.